Nicholson. Hello to you, the great Western Australian living in Victoria. Probably wishes Chucky Mon. He probably wishes he was uh, he was in Perth uh, <laughs> with all his family now. How are you, mate? I am well, Robbo. And yes, I uh, I don't know whether it's irony, but yeah, the demons winning in Perth. I was able to get mum and dad along, but um, you know, it was nice to have a bit of family there. But um, yeah, hopefully the guys can do it in Melbourne. So yeah. it was nice. It was done in WA. Better than any other state, I suppose. True, true. Stings in the craw a little bit that your family's going when you're the one that's done the hard yards for the Melbourne Football Club and you've got well, to hand off those tickets, don't you? Well, what about this? So my my mum's not never been into AFL at all and uh, <laughs> she came to the 2000 grand final that, that we uh, uh, played and lost in and um, that was her first game of football that she'd gone and watched. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> she was able then to go to the prelim and then the grand final recently so she's certainly seen some melbourne emotion in it and yeah. um so yeah it was nice uh it was nice actually watching the game and getting a few photos and things yeah. like that through as well so yeah well that's no. the thing isn't it I, you would have had a lot of friends telling you too over there what it was like i had my um my sister's uh, fiance he went along in, in place of me and uh uh, thanks to to Ryan for sending me absolutely nothing and not even a thank you yet. <laughs> not even a stinking thank you for the, uh, yeah, the right. ticket. <laughs> but what a show. You must have been so proud, mate, of what the, sh- the, the show, the spectacle. I mean, the ground looked amazing. We knew the weather yeah. was going to be great. But the yeah. uh, entertainment, I thought the entertainment was just mwah. Oh, it was fantastic, actually. And um, that stadium's been, been built for that big, big, big game. I've been mm. there in previous role to some cricket games and things like that and but when it is full and the night, yeah, that that was at at full full capacity. So yeah, it was a good spectacle as well to to see, and um, it was a great game of sport. Take off yeah. your Melbourne hat. It was a really exciting game of sport. So. Yeah, and your dad would have absolutely loved it because I know your old man. And you talk about irony, ladies and gentlemen. How's the irony, Alistair Nicholson's old man's actually a hairdresser? Uh, I think that's absolutely hilarious. He's a bald hairdresser, Robert. <laughs> you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely uh, fantastic. He, he's, he's playing out well. He doesn't have to do any Cameron freebies. Cameron calls him a barber. So. <laughs> barber. No freebies for the family. No, sorry, the you. stylist. Not a barber, the stylist. <laughs> but he would have loved it too, you know. Uh, I, I'm sure I saw – I think I saw a photo and a big, big smile on his face there uh, at that ground. Perth certainly did themselves a service. And what are your thoughts is the question I'm going to ask about the grand final. Now, I know it's locked into the MCG for 150 years, but – but but if at some point in our history, do you think it might change to maybe doing a little bit of it like the Americans do? It's like how well, it's in going to be in um, you know LA one year, next year it's going to be in New York. But what, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely open to conversation to that. Um, you, you know, even Adelaide were were a chance, weren't they, this year? So look, national game. Yeah, um, I, I, I wrestle with it. I think. Um, I, I love it being at the G, and everyone loves to get to the G. But every five years or so, I can I can see it being rotated around because mm. that's exactly what happens in in world sports. So, yeah. look, it's not something that I'm I, I'm not I'm passionate about, but um, I can definitely see the conversation being had now for yeah. sure. Yeah, my friends at the MCC and all the work that I do, that I'm I'm, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for making that comment. I, I want it at the MCG. Just make sure make sure that's known. Yeah, I no, I can to... say that. That's fine. <laughs> Play up again. 
<laughs> hey, mate, the uh, the messages are going off here, and you can read those uh, too, I'm sure, uh, on this. And uh, people saying you were all my favorite you. adjectives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nico could be Nita's twin. I think that's got to be something to do with the hair. Yeah. That's Gary. Gary Hughes. It's stressful, Robbo. <laughs> So <laughs> you're in the cage for so long, mate. Let's talk about that because we're gonna we're gonna talk about defense um, because I'm sure that's where you kept an eye uh, over the uh, you cast a, a heavy eye over the year because the body of work that those guys put in was just absolutely amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure you loved it. Um, you played at fullback on some of the great forwards. Uh, let's let's get into that. How did that come about? Because you came in as a uh, and I'll talk about the uh, the junior career in a minute, so don't go too much into that. But you came in as a ruckman. You got yep. Jim Steins, you got Jeff White, uh, comes in a year after you, uh, and you you got thrown at full back. Yeah, how'd that come about? Well, I was just I was actually at the MCG, and um, I was sort of this you know second ruckman, and uh, you know you had Schwarter and Nita key position players, and I think Port Adelaide had gone quite tall, and Brendan Laid went forward, yeah. and so they said, "Hey, you've got to go back there," and I'm like. What? 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 Where's that? What do you mean? I haven't been down that far. <laughs> um, so it, it basically, you know, started there and going, okay, that, there's a matchup issue. Get down there and look. I, I was, um, as you said, a late starter, but um, was always reasonably sort of fast off the mark for for my size. So yeah. Yeah. that can sometimes. Um, wallpaper over a few cracks. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Brendan Lay down the MCG, runner came out and said, you've got to go down and play fullback. And I'm going, oh, good, okay. I, I, as I said, I hadn't played much footy to start with, let alone fullback at AFL level. But, yeah, it went from there. And, and I had some really good support, Anthony Ingerson. We had a good good back line. Chris Fagan, Mark Riley were coaches. And yeah. so yeah. I think that, that probably helped uh, you know, you, you apply your trade and learn your skill because you, you're contributing to a, a backline unit yeah. rather than just you trying to get a game yourself. And, and I think that's what, you know, you, you look at that Melbourne team now and that's what they very much have that. And, mm. and look, they have for a few years, but 18 months ago I was going, gosh, that, that is a very good backline they got there. And then Petty came in this, this, this year. And so mm. when they get it together, it's, it's, it's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a couple of comments there. Surely Robbo got down the uh, back line and helped you out. Uh, Nico, well, said, we, Gary I, Hughes. We did have the, one, one pre-season, um, Danners. So Robbo and I were a little bit, they were trying to work out um, where Robbo and I were. Like, is Robbo a key forward with Schwartz and Neitz? Where does Nicholson play? And so pre-season, they used to play four or five games. And so, you know, I played a big, bit back one year and then Robbo came down and so Robbo they were going to sort of play him off the back line and he played okay for like a quarter and a half and then he made quite a good spoil and then that was the end of the game and um, so in the team meeting that week he did it they showed a, a highlight of a good spoil to sort of well done Robbo you might find your spot <laughs> and he called it he called himself golden fist <laughs> And uh, anyway, he played the next week and didn't go near anyone. No. Didn't do much and that was the end of Robbo. And I was a very, very, line. very loose checking uh, back, back line I remember player. sitting going, Golden Fist? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> uh, they're the, I did a whole pre-season in the back line mm. uh, trying to learn what that was all about. And uh, I think it was one of the first games I played 
uh, on, I think it was, is it Matty Welsh from Adelaide? Welsh. Oh, yeah. 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 He kicked five on me, but uh, no, it might have been six. Five on me, though, like before I was moved, before they That's just got back. It's a bag. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a very loose checking backman. I thought I did a pretty good job, but there's something would happen. All of a sudden, I'd realise, shit, I'm in the forward line. What happened? Yeah, I would yeah. be trying to kick a goal all the time. <laughs> they, they gave up in the end. But hey, can't, you got to you got to try these. Might have been out of Waverley. That was a big ground, mate. That was it tough. was a big ground. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I get a little bit dizzy when I went down the back line, mate. You had the uh, you had the great pleasure of playing with a guy, and I know you have a lot of respect for Anthony Ingerson because he was the general in the back line when we played. He was amazing at getting that fist on the ball, and then big Jamie Shanahan comes in as well, and he he had arms bigger than his legs, and and yeah. and was pretty good on the spoil as well. So, what were those two characters like? Well, Jamie Shanahan was actually who I, I played my first game on. Um, my first game was at St Kilda out of Waverley. Waverley, and yeah. it was a uh, rainy, was round, rainy day. Round five, and um, both St Kilda and Melbourne hadn't won a game. This is 1997. So it was bottom of the table clash. And uh, I was out at Waverley. Uh, I walked out, and I was actually playing in the forward line. And Jamie Shanahan came down. I was skinny, curly hair. Yeah. And Shanna's came down. I'm going, man, he's like really, really, really big. And uh, <laughs> put that massive arm across me and basically just didn't let, didn't, didn't move it the, the whole game. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, I remember, I think we lost by about 80 points. And I remember in the last quarter, it was cold. I hadn't had a kick. Mm-hmm. We were losing. I'm going, yeah, league football's not as exciting <laughs> as I, everyone's talking about. So you're, you're anyway, he came to Melbourne, and then he was, you know, he was really generous with his with his last couple of years, yeah. and um, very sort of. And I think that's where some of that gets handed through. The Ingo and Shannon's really good because they they sort of kept you up. You know, when you they go, look, you're going to get goals kicked on you, or all that, and you just you just had trusted in some of that experience. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think that's really important where a young key, you're, you're a young key back. So, yeah, really, really uh, fantastic guys to know. All right. I remember a game, uh, and I, I wasn't there to hear this, and maybe you were, but it was in the back line where it went down, and it was Mark Miranda. So, obviously, playing Richmond, and uh, Brent Gergich is a great friend of ours, and, and shout out to Gerge. Uh, and we maybe we should get Gurge on the show. What would that be like, uh, fans of the show? Because people are throwing up who they'd like to see on the show. Your name came up a few times. They go, don't you worry about that. Shall yeah, we get? I got my kids to do that. <laughs> Shall we get Gurge on the show? But he talked about how this particular day, where when Shannon was playing with us, um, he was a young, skinny kid uh, at that stage, Brent Gurgich, and, and Mark Miranda's just getting into him and, and, and may have been giving him a few extra hip and shoulders after, after a particular contest. Jamie Shanahan's walked over to him and wrapped both his hands around his, <laughs> his neck and Mark Miranda looks straight away and all the blood drained from his face and Shannon goes, I'll break your neck, Taco. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and he, and uh, Mark Ren has just gone all limp in his arms and he threw him away. So he was a mountain of, his, of a I, man. Shannon, I do remember that. I know Mark's sister and uh, I was thinking about that the other day, actually. So, yeah, it's one of those guys where doesn't do it that much, but when you do it, he means it. So well, because he's got one lazy eye, Shannon. People may not know this. When you look, when you look at him, he just looks like Chopper Reed or something. He's really <laughs> weird look and you're like, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to mess with this guy. 
Hey, uh, mate, now let's go back, okay, before we go really forward to the team now, but uh, let's go back to your your life in Perth before you came over. Now, I know, and people may not know about you, but you're quite a, uh, um, a scholastic fellow. You uh, obviously did well at school. I think you were Ducks of your school. Is that right? Oh, or- no, I wasn't Ducks. I, I was uh, close. Captain. Yeah. Okay, captain of the school, which is pretty bloody good. Um private school I'm, I'm assuming um and then you come to melbourne and you and you obviously I, I know that you went through university for a lot of years and and you've worked pretty hard uh on that and and post your career we'll get into that in a minute what you're doing now but you played hockey as a junior didn't even play football and you only got one year under your belt before melbourne came knocking talk to me about that yeah well we uh, wa is obviously a footy state but we when we're about 10, my, I've got a twin brother, Chris, and mum and dad got us playing hockey. And I think that was a deliberate strategy to sort of move us out of the rough and tumble of, of football. And then um, at school, then you finish, finish at 17, year 12 was 17. And my brother went overseas for a year to a gap year. And, and then I, um, I was just in Perth for a year. And I just kept thinking... I can't live in Australia and not play a year of AFL. Like, yeah, um, yeah. And then I uh, um, went to an 18th that it was at Claremont Football Club and the guy who's 18th that was said, I'm going down to try out for the Colts, which is the under-18s, on Monday. This is on the Saturday night. You need to come with me. And I said, yeah, sure. And then I didn't think about it again. And then he rang. This is before mobiles. He rang the home line on Monday. I didn't really know him that well. Anyway, he said, you said you need to come down. And I'm like, well, you sort of got to be a man of your word. Yeah. And uh, so I went down with him just in my hockey shoes. And and, and it just went from there. Um, he unfortunately got cuts and, and then the squad got reduced and started playing. Um, in the middle of the year, I went away for six weeks to see my brother overseas. So I missed... Teal Cup and or whatever it's called these God. days. Sorry, um, and, and then um, yeah, we but we had a good team. We won the grand final. The league team won the grand final. So um, you know, sixteen or seventeen games was was enough to to get the eyes of uh, people getting drafted. So yeah, it was uh, it was a great fun year, and it was sort of great to to get drafted. But it certainly wasn't, as you said, I was probably on a different path of. Yeah, university and and whatever else. So yeah. it was certainly life took took me in one direction, and I probably made the most of it. But yeah, it certainly wasn't wasn't on the cards twelve months before that. Mate, ten years of AFL football, you, you know, from one year in Colts and and playing only hockey. Now you played for Scotch, uh, am I right in saying that? Now, a small world. Digital Dave, who the fans know, watching, uh, has been uh, producing this show with me and and running everything behind the scenes remotely. He played hockey against you. He oh, played. Right. For, he played for Wesley. Yep, over okay. there. And, do I, and did Ben Cousins come from Wesley? Ben yeah. Cousins. Geez, yeah. small world. There you go. He played against Clayton, you, Clayton Gardner, as well. Clayton Gardner, who spent one year at Melbourne Football Club before heading back to Perth after not quite making it. But uh, wow, what a year that was, though. When you first got drafted, you lived with David Schwartz, uh, coming to the end of his third knee. Uh, rehabilitation and getting back to playing football. Talk to me. I mean, this, you probably can't talk much about what happened at David Schwartz's house uh, over the years, but what was that like moving in with oh. David Schwartz from birth to David Schwartz's house? 
Yeah, well, it was certainly, it was a funny experience because it, it had, Schwarter's mum, Mary, was, was living in Schwarter's house as well. And so he was coming back from, yeah, I, I think it might have been third knee, fourth yeah. rehab. So he mm. was sort of not hardcore in the group. He was sort of rehabbing. So you sort of had the the mix of the ox and, and the world that was the ox. And, yeah. you know, he, he enjoyed the horses and all that stuff. Um, but then you also had his mum there as well. And so you had some of that... Um, family feel about it so it, it was it was probably a hard year for the club 97 because we only won two games yeah um it's quite a few sort of injuries but yeah it was it was certainly experienced and and ox was as sort of engaging and as charismatic as could be and um i i uh, learned a lot i'd never been to a tab or a casino <laughs> or any of that stuff and um I hadn't tasted but much bourbon and coke and all that, but um, we're sort of different personalities, but got a good good understanding of each other. And you know, we actually lived together for quite a few years, so yeah. I think we were sort of interesting max match, but we uh, we got on well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the years that we spent early days were so. I feel like, and you might not agree with this, but I feel like. And this is part of being young. You do tend to party a little bit more, but there was it was just so relaxed in terms of the professionalism of, of of AFL football when we first got drafted. And then it was about probably four years in when things really got serious and we just did not... You, you even thought back to four years earlier, the things you were doing going, wow, you could never get away with what with that anymore. That, that 98, 99, probably 2000 had ended. There was a lot of fun to be had, wasn't there? I mean, can you... Can you remember some of the shenanigans that you, you me, we got up to? Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a lot more money in the game these days, but I think we we got a really good taste. I actually remember our first year we had Andrew, Andrew Obst was on the list and he would do his weights in the morning and then he'd go and do his landscaping job during the day and then yeah. come back. And yeah. there's probably only a couple of those guys and uh, and that was probably... 97, I reckon, was almost the last time because the high performance element was sort of coming more and more. So it effectively sort of became sort of full time. And then some of the broadcast money was starting to come in then. So the contracts were were a bit bigger and things like that. So you you, you didn't necessarily have to sort of double time on, on jobs or something like that. So, but yeah, what that meant is there was that little area where we were able to to not be under as much scrutiny, mm. um, and um, so yeah, it was enjoyable, and and there was a really good feel. We've we always had a good group. We've got a good past player group, so yeah, uh, definitely good fun um, off the field. And we also had some you know good good Melbourne ca- um, people: Jim Steins, Gary Lyon, Brett Lovett, Glenn Lovett. Mm. Some really important names. So we, you and I, were lucky enough, Stephen Tingay, to sort of get on the end of those guys and then, you know, start working our way through our period, our generation, if you like. Yeah. So that was yeah. A, it was a really good time and I enjoy seeing those guys whenever I see them now. It was amazing. It really was. And, and I remember you probably started a couple of days after me when we got drafted in that 1990, I suppose it was 96 when we came Six, over yeah. and we were doing a beep test 
um, uh, you arrived on that day and walked up. <laughs> I'm like, who's this tall bastard walking up with the massive hair? The tightly knit uh, curls that Christy Cross- <laughs> Kimberly Crosswell just said, they were really tightly knit uh, curls you had back then in those days. He, I was like, who's this guy? And it was it turns out to be the kid we just drafted from from WA. You were lucky you missed that, uh, that, that beep test. But my word... And I only I, I go to this because someone. What was the level? Gary Hughes asked, "What was the level of fitness and preseason training?" I, I firmly believe the work we did back then, less science than what it is now, but certainly we put a body of work in over a preseason, didn't we? Well, I mean, a few three weeks after that, yeah, you're right. I do remember that you doing beep tests my first day off the plane, and I'm like, oh. Um, but three weeks after that, you and I in the same group did did the hundred hundreds, and they said, "Oh, that's your birthday present before yeah. you get to go home." So, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I think what I would say is, I think it's a lot more sophisticated now how they bring young. They're a bit better prepared, but yeah. they bring young young players in. So, I, yeah. I probably found for halfway through my first year, not a lot of base hockey player. You know, you start pulling a few injuries. So, and those some of those ones sort of stayed, to be honest, stayed for the rest of the career. You just manage them. So yeah. I think there's a lot more time on that and efficiency on that. So, yeah. But no, no, there's certainly some... Bond, Bond University oh. hundreds. It was certainly some solid pre-season. We talked about the bar run last week without a muse, the bar runs that we did uh, at Bond University that, oh my God, I, I don't think I'll ever get over those. They were awful. We did a couple of them al- along the journey, but my word, we, we got absolutely smashed. And now I've mentioned on the show a while back that we had a player by the name of Lee Newton. You and I know Juice very well. Yep. Maybe the fans don't know him as well, but he came in as this guy – Probably similar height to you, Ruckman, mobile, probably not as quick as you, bit of a lumbering uh, dinosaur. But geez, he could play. I think he'd come down from the ovens of Murray. He'd won the league best and fairest, whether he'd won it a couple of years. And um, the fitness staff just smashed him like because he's a young player. And this was the thing that our fitness guy said to me at one stage, You've this is your first year. Gary's been playing for 10 Todd's been playing for 10. You need to catch up to them. So you're going to go and do two lakes while they're only doing one lake, and that's Albert Park Lake. And we're like, oh, okay, we'll do that. Well, this is the same thing that was happening to Big Lee Juice Newton. He's a big six-foot-six ruckman, seven ruckman, running two lakes as fast as anything. He broke down and never played football again, basically because we broke him. No science. No science. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he he was a great, great guy, Juice, and um... – really good teammates and yeah unfortunately his body just couldn't couldn't get it get it back together and i, I would say though he left no stone unturned he tried yeah. as hard as any and um yeah, yeah. yeah he's definitely talented and and but sometimes that's that's the reality of it but i i think part of the the point is that changing period of professionalism and yeah. sophistication i mean there's always going to be injuries and things like that but um I think we sort of were, you know, were part of that, and um, and now it's uh, you know, and and Shane Wawoden and that probably took that to the next level. Yeah, you know, while we were playing, so. Well, Yvonne Preston asked how many didn't make it due to poor management. I wouldn't have said a lot, but, you know, you never know, do you? There could be knees. There could be um, wear and tear injuries. That yeah, you just and have. it's really hard. You just don't – like, I wouldn't, like, say it's necessarily poor management. It was just was just what it was at the time. So, um, 
it's just I think that sophistication got more and more. It's also then more resources in the football department. And so, yeah, I think sports science will always play a role in in any any era in uh, sport. That's right. Now, Jenny Love asks, Al, what's your best memory as a player playing with a Melbourne football club? Uh, One really strong memory is um, actually when we beat Geelong. And, um, and it's not so much because it was my, my individual game or anything like that, but um, we hadn't won down at Geelong for mm. a very, very long time. And 1984 was, was sort of um, what uh, Neil Danaher, and we had a few goes at it, but we eventually beat them by one point. Yeah. Um, and uh, Matty Egan missed the goal sort of after the siren. Yeah. And um, so for me, that was uh, a, great, a great win because... It was something that all those other great players, Gary Lyon, Jim Steins, they'd all been down the highway, tried to get the points and, and hadn't. Yeah. And then to, to win at sort of Kidinia Park, that was um, that was a great win and, and I know that was an important one for Neil. But that, mm. that was sort of a home and away, a good home and away win. Yeah. I think winning away from home was all – I always enjoyed that. I always oh, enjoyed yeah, yeah. Winning in, in Perth. Um, probably my best memory um, – just sorry, Robbo. It's just taking me a bit of time to work through all the goals I kicked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I kicked a super goal. You did. Um, you did. You. There was not too many that can claim that. I, I kicked a super goal, but it was only because it was a fifty down the field. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> I can claim it, but it wasn't from outside. Yeah. Kicking. So yeah. So I'd say beating Geelong, kicking a super goal. Um, <laughs> No, I probably probably my my favourite memories were probably almost that twenty minutes after the game. If you've been under some pressure to beat someone and and the back line have stuck together and, and you've yeah. done what you needed to do, so yeah. they're probably the the not the specific memories, but the flavour of the memories that stay the the most. Um, and look, lots of lots of diff, just different little memories through through the career um and yeah i was lucky to play on some very good players and you know beat some they beat me um squared a few of them but um yeah Yeah. some wonderful footballers just to watch you know whether it's adam goods or aaron davey on our side jeff farmer um steins um you know when he was still trying to play and what he did with his body so yeah. I think um, all of those mixes of memories brings come through. It's it's neither one nor the other. Now the uh, the obvious question is going to be very shortly. Being a full back, you played on some pretty decent forwards, but uh, I, I have to relate a story to the people because I think it's a good one and it's a lasting memory for all of us that were there that day. We were training. Was it was it at a, and it wasn't Melbourne High. I think it might have been. Uh, Melbourne, Melbourne Grammar, maybe. Melbourne Grammar, that's yeah. right. You know exactly I know where you're going, yeah. <laughs> it's, this is great. And it might be only funny to me, uh, <laughs> and, you, and, and you had to be there sort of moment, but this is funny, guys, because you know the players. We're doing a scratchy kind of match, and this is halfway through the preseason. It's not even like, you know, we're, we're not even past Christmas yet, I don't believe. Is that right? It, would have, it might have been January. We were, we were training on their facility yeah. down there. We're still a long way off playing football. So when you get into any type of scrimmage, any sort of, you know, match simulation training, which we were doing at that stage, you don't go too hard, you don't tackle, you don't, uh, you know, 
you don't do anything extraordinary anyway. Even I knew that you don't go and try to take the mark of the year. Well, <laughs> Nick, goes, Nick goes playing in the cage as he invariably did in his career. And uh, Jeff White's just sauntered down where someone's having a shot on goal and he stood behind the goals and waited. No one followed him because no one's trying that hard. <laughs> Nico's just standing there ready to take a mark on the line and all of a sudden Whitey's come from nowhere and taken the big hanger on Nico's back. Planted the knee into the back of your head, I think, or shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> and I've heard from a long way off, I'm like, I'm thinking, what's Whitey doing? And then I hear the scream from you and then the follow-up. No hangers yet, Whitey. <laughs> it's not a very good sledge when I think about it. But no, um, no hangers yet. Yeah, you know, it took me. Uh, I just knew you, you know you're sort of doing 13 sessions a week and yeah. all that. And and about like two seconds before impact, I'm like, he's about to take a hanger here, isn't he? Surely not. <laughs> Bang. And I'm just like, oh, Whitey, you are just not doing that to me. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I love that. Anyway. it's funny what, what will make you laugh and what, what, what uh, you think is great. I, I'm th- not surprised you find that funny, Robert. <laughs> I did it to a few people, I must admit. Yeah. But I think I had the sense not to do it, you know. No, much. that's what that's right. Yeah, that's that's as you say, that's uh, there's a code there. So <laughs> there's you, a code it's broken. <laughs> okay, so best players, uh, obviously. And, and I was going to roll up, and I thought I might do it, but because he's such a great friend of mine, I'm not going to roll the footage of uh, Matthew Lloyd and uh, Chrissy Tarrant taking marks of the year with you <laughs> close in time. <laughs> but I'm sure people will remember, and YouTube it if you want to. Um, I tell a lie, I actually tried to get the footage going, but we had a little bit of an issue here and we couldn't get it working. But uh, Chrissy Tarrant's taking the first mark, right? And uh, it's a great mark. He's sort of got a nice sit, big pack in front of him. You're both... I won't talk through it. You talk through it because it was a, a pretty good mark, wasn't it? Oh, it was a great mark. Um, so it was Queens, Collingwood, Melbourne, always yeah. big, and um, he he was a good good player. He was he wasn't like a sort of structured player where he'd hit the right. He, he'd sort of whiz in and out, and uh, Woey was sort of dropping back, and and so we, the game was sort of here or there, and but he hadn't sort of grabbed grabbed it that much. I hadn't got a cheap kick or whatever. And so you could just sense that, and that's what good forwards did. They just, you can see that Aaron Norton do it. He just throws himself at it. And um, so we were running out, the ball was coming in. We probably had about 30 metres, we're running to it. And I'm sort of on him going, okay, like what he may, he's looking at the ball. Is he going to, is he going to launch here? And then um, I didn't think he was because it was quite a big pack. And then, and then he's just just put the accelerator on and gone for it. <laughs> and he's, he's sort of like he jumped off a trampoline. He just yeah. went whoa and got a sort of double kick. Yeah. And so I've sort of had to go for him and sort of tried to spoil it on the way down. And he held it. And then I've gone. Oh, I remember halfway down going. Oh, I've really got to like land on him here. Yeah. And I landed hard. A hundred kegs. And he, um, and he, I was like, oh, maybe he's not going to take his kick. But he got up and, and he slotted it. So uh, it good on him. It was a good mark. You landed right, right on his guts too, or the middle of his back. And it would have, it would have absolutely hurt, but it was a ripping mark. Uh, you've heard a couple of guys along the way before I get to the uh, Lloyd mark, because I think that's more of an interesting aftermath with that one. Uh, but uh, you, you hurt somebody as well. Now, Matty Whelan, we all know famously, hurt Nathan Brown, uh, breaking his leg. 
you were involved in a little entanglement with Jason Snell from Geelong at the MCG, around about 50 metres out from goal. It was a hideous injury, but that's what sport does. Can you remember? Obviously, you do remember that. It was pretty awful, wasn't it? Yeah, so we're playing Geelong. He, he was really good forward. Um, yeah. I think I was playing on beers, actually, Clint Bizzle, before he came over. Yeah. And so it was just around the 50-metre line, and it was sort of one of those quickish plays. And um, Stephen Phoebe was was on him, and he sort of dropped off him. So I had to leave beers to try and get to Snell. And so I've just tried to sort of get – I was trying to get the ball and just – just fell mm. and then I just jumped up straight away looking back to try and get back on Bizzle because I'm going, well, he's going to quickly kick it to him. And so I didn't sort of stay around. I just had to hit hit back yeah. and then the place sort of stopped and then he's obviously, he's jumped up and he's, his, his legs got caught under me and so, you know, complete accident but yeah, yeah. he um had a horrible um ankle injury from that and really um yeah that that was that was a, a real challenge for him getting back he, he was part of the club and at Geelong I think but um yeah I saw him a few years later and to his credit he was he's a wonderful guy great energy and um but it was just again one of those football incidents so mm. Mm. um yeah it's ne- never nice and um you know, you, you occasionally see that, but um, yeah, yeah I, I actually didn't. I didn't hear anything, or I didn't even see it because I was just trying to get back on beers. Yeah, uh, no, it was awful. But anyway, that's football. You know, you take it on. You know, it can happen to you. It can happen to others as well. But uh, let's talk about the. Well, I broke my ankle, so yeah. You, you did break your ankle, didn't you? Now, how did that happen? Remind me, because you did your knee as well. I remember you did your knee. Uh, we had a knee injury, which got yeah, you- I did my knee. Queen's birthday. On, uh, on the MCG with Anthony Rocker the last quarter. And then I'd, I'd done my ankle five years before. I'd yeah. gone down and played in the reserves at Punt Road and I was rucking and I just got in the wrong position and my Ugh. ankle broke. And so, yeah, that, uh, that, that probably, to be honest, to, to go back to your earlier question, probably moved, moved me closer to playing as a key back more just because... Yeah. The jumping leg and things well, like that. Which, which was never tough. quite the same. That's a good question to ask, I think, is which is the more difficult? Because playing fullback on Matthew Lloyd, who we know just attracts the ball and, and is going to get kicked to, versus playing in the ruck when you're doing all these dangerous things, where you're not looking where you're landing, you know, you can you can land awkwardly, knees that happen to ruckmen all the time. Uh, they change the rules all the time to save Ruckman from doing their knees. And then you've got to play all over the field and you've got to ruck all over. Which is, which is harder? Which one would you take? Uh, I think you're, you're a little bit more in control of your of what you want to do in the ruck. And yeah. it's hard if, if it's going badly. But um, I think you sort of can make your own decisions a bit more. I think the challenge of playing back is... If, if you, you know, you are reacting to, to someone, pro- probably more so when that's how you played it in those days. But yeah, um, yeah. look, I think um, that the rucks a very lonely place if you're, if you, if someone's getting on top of you. Yeah, right. You feel the weight of everyone, everyone's, you know, sort of suffering for it. Yeah. Um, but I think playing backs harder just because you're sort of running off someone, someone else. So. Right. Right, so you get sent down to play fullback on Matthew Lloyd, or you know, all week you're playing fullback on Matthew Lloyd. How do you play 
Matthew Lloyd firstly? How do you stop him from getting a kick? Uh, so, look, he I, he's very smart. I think one game we played, we sort of wrestled quite a bit and, and I probably shadowed him maybe. And then next game we played, he just, just ran and ran and ran. So what you find with those good, good forwards is they've got a couple of different yeah. clubs in the bag. Um, so, look, I think we'd – I'd always do – and I'd, I think probably always, as you say, a late starter, I was always like, well, I've got to do a bit of – do the homework here. was yeah. never a, yeah. a great talent of a Travis Johnson who could just go out and sort of just play. Yeah. Um, so you'd have a look at their their leading pattern. It was all video. Probably wasn't as 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 coded as it is now, but definitely sort of look like um, what what they do when they're sort of under pressure. Do they kick it or do they swing to the left or hold? Um, see where they've got their goals, and then um, try try and have a look at a bit of behind the goals footage. So yeah, right. Sort of probably similar to what gets done now, but now it's a lot. It's probably our back six we'd work. Now it's very much almost the A-team need to work together. Yeah, oh, 100%. And we'll talk about that in a sec. But I want to talk to you a little bit about what you've done post your football career because there's been a, a few roles. You've worked for Jember. I think post your career was the first real job out of it. Yep. Then you've gone to CEO Cricket Australia, uh, Australian Cricket Association. Yeah, ACA. Yeah, ACA. And now you've got your role as the boss of the coaches. So let's let's talk about your working career, and then I want to talk to you about cricket as well. So bang, go. Uh, so yeah. So look, I I suppose as you said, I'd always study and always had an eye on maybe being a fullback, you, you you know the end can be very close very quickly. So I um, uh, I was always sort of thinking about what next. And um, I, I essentially, when I was playing, I was always interested in the Players Association, not just because more I was studying something about, say, commerce, and then I was sort of able to think through it through the industry that I was in and knew. So I essentially finished playing and then jumped the fence, um, the company called Gemba, Glenn Lovett was um, was really important in that, and and gave uh, gave some opportunity there. And Gemba's consulting in in sport, and mm. so it just gave me lots of different opportunities because you're just doing lots of different consulting jobs. So it was a great apprenticeship's probably not the right word, but it was a great sort of um, company just to get exposure in. Yeah, and then you sort of go up the different levels. It probably takes you two or three years to sort of get understanding in corporate and mm. get out of the change room and all that but then mm. all the other leadership things and that you that you picked up on the way then they start coming through so that was Gemba and so really you know good good partners and great company um, and then using that players association background and then that role moved to the ACA which was a really big role a lot, lot of work big issues you've got the international element of cricket as well mm. um but you know we we're able to do some really great stuff with female cricket with yeah um you know the male players they're um you know there's some f- fantastic players and and people involved they're really engaged and then um after six nearly seven years of that it was time probably time to have a break and yep. um sort of had a little rest around christmas and then the coaches association came along so yeah, my thing's always just been it's been good to be involved in sport, but um, to be able to sort of represent a group and 
work out what's important to them and then be able to represent it back. That's essentially what, what I've sort of been doing the last sort of seven or eight years. Yeah, right. Well, Gary Hughes asked, what skills did you take from an AFL club environment into post-footy corporate life? Maybe I can, maybe I can uh, throw this into a question that I've got as well. You wake up uh, and your phone's uh, actually not sure of the timing of it. Was it during the day? But you, your phone would have blown up anyway. For, you're looking after the association, cricket association, when some sandpaper was used on a uh, when it was used on a ball. And some some pretty mean sledging was going on in South Africa before that as well. So it was a really tough time to be the boss of the Players Association for Cricket when Australia's made what it's got to be the, one of the biggest mistakes that that uh, Australian cricket's ever made using that sandpaper on the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'd been in the role two weeks and um, the Phil Hughes incident occurred, and so you know, and and since. It then sort of kept going and we had an industrial dispute and, mm. and then we obviously had sandpaper. So, yeah, certainly the issues um, kept coming and um, I, was, I was actually in South Africa at that time, so I was able to get back to the team uh, in that time and, and support them through that horrible week. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's certainly something – there wasn't a lot of sleep that week, that's for sure, and – um, yeah, I, I think, you know, hopefully those guys that were involved have, have been able to come back and, and play, which is great. But it was certainly a very hard time um, for the whole sport and, and the players particularly. So, yeah. yeah, Phil Hughes and the industrial dispute and, and that, certainly a lot of issues involved. But, um, you know, I think was, was able to do that as well as possible. And, you know, hopefully that, um, you know, I think, those guys can can continue to um, contribute back to the game. Yeah. Um, what what do you think has been the biggest learning from your football career to take into your post-life career? And this could be advice given to any number of the players that are playing right now, I would have thought, because you've been really successful with your career outside. There are a lot, which I've come to realise, of elements uh, that you can – you can learn in your football career and, and apply later on for you. What has it been? Look, I think there's two things. I think the first one is just your basic, you've got a good opportunity. So you just never, never count yourself out of it. And just, you know, it's one of the qualities I think that you, you had in your career was um, for all, for all your faults, you were a very competitive um, person who didn't, didn't give up. And um, so I, I think that is as, as almost as basic as, as can, can say is whether it's your football career or corporate career, just maintaining that uh, ability to, to focus on what you're trying to do and, and trying to pursue that is a really important trait. And I think that's, that's what happens when I found is when I moved to sort of more corporate work is that competitive instinct just, it's just, it's not on a field now, but it's in a different area and it needs to be, you know, you're not you're not um, sledging uh, someone across from you or anything like that. So it's got to be <laughs> tailored to the environment. But yeah, yeah. yeah, I think just that that sort of competitiveness comes through. Um, and then I also think you've just um, you, you've then got some confidence from your football career that yeah you, you will be okay and you can get through. And um, yeah, the the intensity of the competitiveness and then 
some sort of comfort that you you will you will get through because you're able to do that in football so mm. you can potentially do it somewhere else so yeah, yeah. they're general themes but they're probably the two things that stick with me yeah steve edwards says what's your take on the hockey australia move from wa to the east did you know that so i i didn't realize that was official actually so yeah obviously that uh, playing hockey in wa a long time ago that the ais was there and yeah some great hockey players names rick charlesworth and all that so um but uh, victorian hockey uh, and and Eastern Eastern State hockey's always been strong, so yeah. it probably I thought it may happen at some stage, but um, it's certainly been a, a big part of WA sport. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so cricket, um, we're about to go into a summer uh, of cricket. The English are coming, the great unwashed. Um, what what? <laughs> it's going to be uh, interesting when and if. And I mean, I'm not 100 percent sure what's going to happen. But there's a lot of conjecture at the moment about this. Uh, how do we remove amongst the states? What's your take on this? Ashes coming up this summer. Uh, look, I think it's going to be really exciting. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm glad the the summer's looking a little bit more free, just in regard to some of the restrictions and things like that. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, Ashes cricket is is a bit like two marathon runners going, you know, step for step. Yeah. And then when when it sort of two metres and then three metres and four metres. So it's it's really that battle step for step. So um, I, I don't for a second think that that English bowling lineup is is strong and they've actually got some bowlers that suit out here. Yeah. And, you know, that if Stokes doesn't make it, then they actually have got a lot of quality there. So, yeah. look, I, I think it's going to be a really competitive and um, I think everyone in Australia would love a, a great summer of, um, you know, test cricket and then yeah, yeah. good fun with the big bash around that. So, yeah, I, I'm still probably when I see issues come up, I still sort of think through a little mm. bit the old hat on. But what would I do? Yeah. We'll be a spectator this time and, and probably enjoy it a bit more. Oh, I can't wait for it, really. I mean, I know the English bowlers have always troubled us, especially over there. We know with a different ball, but they, they come to Australia, they still trouble us. And uh, I think it's just going to be brilliant. The question there is, does does Smith ever get the captaincy again? Can that ever happen? Because you kind of feel like he's the man that really is the talent and should be it. But you know him personally. Uh, you know the, the the guys, the players. Does he get the captaincy ever again? Look, I think it's something he can do. Um, I think at the moment he's, you know, happy. I think he'd just want to get a stack of runs over summer. That's what he'd be thinking about right now. Yeah. And he's actually very team orientated, Steve. Like, you, you, you know, he, he's sort of put up as, you know, the best since Bradman and things like that. But he's yeah. very much around that and that, that team. And those guys know him very well. That bowling lineup, New South Wales guys, they know him very well and, and love him. So he's got the, we know he can do it. Um, but he, he's certainly not. It needs to be given to him by the, the Cricket Australia board. He's yeah. certainly not running an internal agenda. And, um, you know, I think at the end of the summer, that, that is one thing for Cricket Australia and the board to, to work through uh, what they're doing with Tim and Tim Payne, who's, who's been fantastic. If he yeah. wants to keep rolling, body, body willing, then, you know, Steve is, a, is an absolute option for them. Uh, did you get the result? You keep it as it is, I would have thought. Now, before we start to wind things up here, Nico, uh, get back to our families, more's the pity. Uh, let's uh, talk about uh, the team now um, because this is what this has been about. It's been the Demons and 
we're starting to wind down on that because we're cooling off. Obviously, it's been a yeah. while since we've won the premiership and it's been absolutely brilliant. We've talked it to not death because you can't, but uh, we've talked a lot about the lines and, and how they got the job done. And let's talk about the body of work by that back line. Uh, firstly, uh, someone alluded to the fact that you were similar to a Harrison Petty in that no flair really just got the job done. Um, he really did this year, didn't he, Harrison Petty? He got uh, uh, not lauded as the guy because of May and Lever, but you, you would have liked what he put together. And then also in your answer, talk about Tomlinson, how important he's going to be when he slots back into this back line. Yeah, I think, yeah, Tomlinson, I think, was was where we play him, was the issue. He played on the wing the, the year before, and so they'd obviously gone, righto, this is, we're going to play you here, and he'd done well. I think Petty, for me, was the the find of the, you know, the unheralded mm. player of the whole competition, let alone mm. Melbourne, because um, mm. he just let May and Lever do, do what they needed to do, and... Um, Good mix of sort of defensive but also offensive, so good decision makers. So yeah, yeah. I think I think I we always knew May and Lever were were, were good, but um, probably Lever took his game to a level that I didn't think he could mm-hmm. get it to. Um, and then um, so I think those three guys are going to hopefully play a lot, you know, a lot more football together. And if one's having a bit of an off day, someone can step up. So if they try to take lever out, the other two can also counterattack. So, so that's good. Um, you know, I think um, Bowie coming in was yeah. was you know that was exciting. I think with Neville Jetta leaving um, and you know uh, Hibbert sort of a little bit older now, I think those small that key who's going to play on. Charlie Cameron, you know, these type yeah. of players that yeah. I think that's an interesting spot for yep. us. Yep. Um, but, you know, Joel Smith did a little bit. So I think that's probably an area where that, you know, real back pocket, small stopper. Yeah. That's probably the one position that they'll, they'll look to develop. And then the other guys are Salem and Hunt and these guys are, are, are great through halfback. Mm. And just lastly, on the coaching, because that's where you're uh, where you're at the moment, uh, the head of the coaches' association. Yep. Um, uh, obviously, they've got a great crew there; they've gelled well together. But it's been a build over a long time. You'd be uh, you'd be pretty satisfied uh, with what they've got down there at Melbourne at the moment in terms of a, a crew. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, I think as you said, they've got a good mix, and I think what they've got—they've got a couple of older heads in Choco and Alan Richardson, and you know, where that just then allows Simon Goodwin just to to be uh, who he wants to be in regard to the senior coach. He's obviously still the boss, but I think yeah. that experience is good. Adam Eze, with his, as we know, his his tactical nous and his good rapport with with the players. Yeah. You know, and then Troy um, Chaplin and Greg Stafford as well. So I, yeah. I I really like that mix of some old, some medium, and some some new. And I think, you know, we there's a lot of pressure on AFL coaches and and guys are sort of, you know, you look at David Teague this year as he's a good coach, and yeah. you know, he, hopefully he gets another opportunity um, because I think coaching can take twenty or thirty years to to yeah. learn all the parts of your craft. And you know Chris Fagan's a perfect example of that. So yeah. I think Melbourne's got a bit of bit of old and bit of new and a, and, a, and a bit of experience. Yeah, and they got the momentum and trust going with with our talented list, and it came together. So 
Yeah. Long may it last. Yes. Uh, I've got my Melbourne hat on, not my coach's uh, yes. on, but long may it last. Long may it last. And we, we kind of feel like it will. Another name that Gary Hughes says that we didn't talk about before was Hunt off that half-back line. You know, it's it's a good problem to have is really the answer there. They've got quite a stacked uh, a back line where they can sort of pick and choose. It may be a horses for courses over the next uh, few years, you know, yeah. how they come in quite, and out. Backline's quite good fun when you've got a very good midfield and a good team and you're winning. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly right. Now, last question for you is when we, when in 1997, in my first year, your first year, when I got salmonella poisoning <laughs> from Topolino's restaurant on Fitzroy Street, St Kilda, and I was missing from the club for a week for a week and a half in the hospital on my deathbed with a 17th litre of uh, saline drip going through my body. <laughs> Wondering well, where all my family and friends were, not one visitor. Well, it was before mobile, so I would have flicked you one text in those days. So. Why did you not, as one of my special friends, pay me a visit? Oh, you're still a little bit ahead of yourself, Robbo, that first 12 months. You still have the LA... Oh, this Lakers was by design, sport. was it? <laughs> I still remember you coming back and go, and I was going, oh, yeah, he does look a bit crooked there, doesn't he? <laughs> what did you get called? Skeletor? Yes. And uh, I do remember you, like, your arms around one of those sort of green buckets in the corner. Yeah. It's not in great shape, so... Um, I was in the... I, for, the for the fans, I caught Salmonella and... If you've ever had salmonella before, it's friggin' awful. Like it's sick, but times ten. And I'd lived in a small apartment with uh, someone that worked with the club. She'd gone away for a while, so I was holed up in this apartment, spewing and everything else for a good five days on death's door before she came home and found me. Got past now. I think about it. So. <laughs> You're a little bit chunky. In first I did need to lose a little bit. Eggs off, so. The funny part of this is she comes home after five days away and sees me curled up on the uh, bathroom floor with spew everywhere because I could I, I was re- literally on death's door. She takes me to hospital. They admit me and said something like the fact of a couple more days late and you wouldn't have made it. <laughs> I, I lay in that bed for I think it was five days. And nary a visitor from the Melbourne Football Club. Not one call. Well, you're football. in like the third floor or something like that. I can't. I couldn't quite remember. It was a really time. It was a time of awakening for me to realise where I was really at. But I do tell you, to Stephen Tingo's credit, he did come and visit me. Stephen Tingo walked in the room and he goes, "Sasa," as he calls me. He called me Sasquatch because I had really, I've got big feet, chunky feet. Yeah, you know, I thought, oh, beautiful, someone's come to visit me. Turns out a year or two later, I find out he was actually only there for an x-ray and he was walking past the room and he saw me. <laughs> I supported you when you got like heat stroke in the US when we were oh. in the US one year. So. Oh, we're, we're, we'd been in Mexico for a footy trip. It was Mexico, wasn't it? We were down in Cancun for a footy yeah, trip. Yeah, we were in LA. Uh, and then we went back to LA and we continued the party and I I think I had a, a Coke, which really tipped me off having a... Uh, no fluid in the body at all. And I spent a couple of days in bed again while you guys went to Universal Studios. You, Mark Bradley, Alistair, uh, Brent Gergich. Uh, was there? It was just us, wasn't it? Nah, just us, yeah. And you went in a white convertible Mustang because well, that was what we wanted to do. We wanted to hire a Mustang, yeah? <laughs> we uh, we put a bit of water into you to rehydrate you and you took spent off. the next 
12 hours throwing that up. So, yeah. And you, well, you went to Universal Studios. You left me in bed. You well, I didn't leave you five days then. So no. that one was <laughs> it was only a day. And here's the story. One of the guys that was in our crew uh, in this white convertible Mustang, and I wasn't was there for this. We're in LA. He wanted to have a trip through Compton in uh, that just to have a look at it. And you, being a smarter person, sort of th- just sidled up to him and said, oh, I'm not sure if that's a good idea. <laughs> No, we're not in Perth anymore now. <laughs> Shout out to Mark Bradley. There's uh, a, a name that uh, a lot of people won't know, uh, but uh, he's a terrific fella and one of our great friends. Nico, we could talk for hours and hours. I'm very aware you've got a big family there. And that's getting started, Rob. My goodness. I know. There's so much. There is so much that we could talk about. Uh, it's the shenanigans that people want to hear. Uh, not the serious stuff that we've really covered, but uh, hey, this is PG. Um, family, uh, three kids, uh, wife, um, yep. boys, two, playing sport. Yep. Of course, everyone's really keen to know uh, if the kids, of course, daughters as well, playing for the Melbourne Football Club. But uh, I'm, I'm sure I know that your boys are really into football, as, or one at least I know. Uh, yes, yeah, so I've got girl Olivia, Sam and Josh, 14, 12 and 9. So... Um, yeah, they've all been like everyone locked in. So Sam plays uh, at South Melbourne um, just in the sort of under-13s and he enjoys it. And um, the others are all Melbourne supporters and, and have enjoyed uh, following the club. So yeah, love getting along to the G when we can. And, um, yeah, so they're, they're rusted on demons and mm. they've got a premiership to, to that no one can take away from them. So that's nice. Yeah, and that's a great word, rusted on demon, and that's what you are yourself, Alistair, because there was a question that was asked earlier on in the show is uh, do you get around the club, um, do you go and watch games? Yes, you do. You get to uh, as much as you can possibly get to. I see you at the past player events that we have. Uh, we have um, two or three, actually, events in a year where the past players hire out a room at the G and watch our boys run around. You're always at those. Um, this has been wonderful, Nico, and with the announcements today, uh, we'd already talked about having a, a round of golf earlier this week when we can. Uh, that's going to happen, and we could probably go to a pub and have a beer after it, mate. What Run about over that? the wood, brother. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> I cannot wait, mate. It's been too long. We haven't been able to catch up, but uh, I feel like uh, a nice summer's coming it's close. along. It's close. It's close, mate. Uh, very nice to see you. Uh, Nice for our fans to see you too because they don't see enough of you. They saw you a couple of times on some very serious news uh, talking about cricket and bad things. (laughs) You've always got the tough jobs. Uh, We've got to talk more about the the days that Lloydie kicked bags on you and things like that. I I didn't get into any of that. I'm a nice guy. Thank you for joining me, mate. That's been brilliant. Good man. All right. Thank you, Robert. No worries. Talk to you soon. See you, pal. Cheers.